4K, ready to bring in our first guest of 2024, making his FT Live debut host on 98.5, the Sports Hub. Um, actually worked together for a little bit of time back in the day at MLB. Tony Maserati joining us right now. Tony, how you doing? Great to have you on. You too, guys. How's it going? Really good. Happy New Year. Probably better for us than for you because now you're covering a mid-market team, which for <laughs> many small years market, of your small life. Market. <laughs> small market? Okay, yeah. AJ. <laughs> They're chasing the Rays now. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's just get right into it, Tony. So Boston, we just talked about, picks up Lucas Giolito, sheds the salary of Chris Sale. I personally like Von Grissom, but overall, is there a lot of money maneuvering going on for them to stay in a certain range in your mind that we're not used to seeing? Yeah, definitely. Look, I, I don't know any other way to explain it. So, uh, and I think people here, frankly, are pretty frustrated. One of the advantages you have as a big market team, in theory, is that you can beat people to players because you have more money than they do. And now the Red Sox are taking themselves out of that market. They've done it for a few years. So, look, I just don't see how you can expect to compete in the, uh, in the AL East for one thing. But I would even go further and say with the real heavyweights of the game, if you're not going to approach it the way they have for, you know, the large majority of this ownership. And I, I, I seriously question whether they want to win uh, as much as they used to. I don't think they do. I feel like you're leaning towards an ownership, really wanting to win or not. And I ask every Boston person, every media personality, is 2018's World Series championship the thing that has caused the ownership to be like, we didn't really go all in. We did. We were okay. Like we spent some money on the people that we brought in and we still won. So why spend money? Yeah, look, I think that's part of it. I, I think that, look, the, the, the success of the Rays, I think, has infected everybody because there is this attitude now, and it's not just in Boston, it's in a lot of places that, not every place, but a lot of places that you can patch it together, contend and get into the playoffs, and then maybe catch lightning in a bottle and win that way. And I still think there's a significant history that shows the best way to win is to spend you know, certainly you have to draft and develop. That's always been true in any era. But I think that at some point you take it to an extreme and it goes a little bit too far. And look, just quickly on that 2018 team, and I understand what you're saying, but that team ranked number one in the majors in payroll. So now they're down in the middle of the pack. That team had a lot of star power. They went out and signed J.D. Martinez at that time uh, as a big signing. They traded for Chris Sale. They had David Price on the roster. So it was a team that was expensive and was the best team in Red Sox history. To me, at least, you know, on paper now, when I'm talking about the number of wins, they won 108 games during the regular season. They won another 11 in the playoffs. So I look at that and say, well, there's a direct cause and effect. Somehow this ownership group, and whether it's because they are now more interested in other things, whether it be hockey, the NBA, PGA Tour, whatever, that uh, baseball is not important to them. And I think that, you know, to me, I don't judge them by what they say. I judge them by what they do. And what they've done is cut back with the more aggressive expenditures. The, the total dollars are still north of $200 million, but they've taken themselves out of the market for the superstar player. And superstars in baseball win in October. I think that's proven. Tony, does this also – Crouch asked about 18, but what about 13? Because when they won in 13, you know, people will say they shouldn't have won. I was there in 14, you know, at the start, and I saw the team. And, they, I mean, just, you know, the whole bombing and the Boston Strong, they just came together and won, clearly. And then you talked about 18, they had the highest payroll. So I think there's a misconception that they weren't spending in 18 when they really were. And now you look at it and you say, okay, they, they weren't really in on Otani. I mean, they said they were. They weren't really – I mean, Yamamoto, yeah, but they didn't want to go to the point. They get rid of Heim Bloom because they had, you know, his first move was trading Mookie Betts because of money. So now Craig Breslow is the new GM. How tight are his hands as the new GM, uh, director of player, uh, baseball operations, whatever you want to call him? How, how tight are his hands? And is that why maybe nobody really wanted this job? Because there were so many rumors that, hey, nobody wanted to take this job. Is it all on ownership? So, AJ, I think a lot of it's on ownership. And uh, I think a lot of it's on ownership for all the reasons you said. Ten people, ten, turned them down to be the chief executive. 
Now, say what you will, okay? So, but Boston is still one of the preeminent franchises in the game. It's not the Yankees. It's not the Dodgers. But if you wanted to compare, you know, I, I just think there are certain franchises in that in those crown jewels. And I think the Red Sox are one of them. Red Sox, Dodgers, Giants, Cubs, Yankees. These are the teams that every year lead the major leagues in road attendance. And I've always thought that that was a really uh, important statistic because it speaks to a fan base around the country. And it also speaks to a team or a franchise that fans will go out to see. And uh, I think now they really kind of stained the identity of the franchise. I, I can't. I, I keep going back to that number. Ten people said thanks, but no thanks. We don't want to run the Red Sox. Part of that is the spending. Part of that is the fact that they've swapped out general managers and chief executives like their utility players over the last 10 years. So Alex Cora is now working with his third GM. And let's not forget, he was suspended for a year in there as well. So my point being that, you know, they're changing GMs constantly. It doesn't feel like there's any cohesion or long-term plan. They just react to what happened in the most recent year or two. Uh, and I think that there is a little bit of a difference between High and Bloom and between Craig Breslow in that Bloom had the chance to trade away Chris Sale and didn't do it. Breslow did. Now, maybe he got more than High and Bloom wanted at that point in time, but I think that Breslow has a little bit more conviction uh, and frankly, you know, has, has probably has more guts uh, than High and Bloom did. But I think the core philosophy is being set by ownership. I think that they are hiring people that they know will implement the plan they watch implement, want implemented, which is that Tampa Bay model. And, and in a place like Boston, I just think that that stinks. Tony, they're, they're not the Rays. They're the freaking Red Sox, okay? And remember, don't you miss, don't all the Red Sox fans miss the days when the Yankees would go sign somebody? Oh, and the Red Sox would answer by signing somebody, and then the Yankees would sign... And it was just back and forth. It was like ping pong, right? Oh, oh, the Yankees signed Matsui. Oh, the Red Sox signed Manny Ramirez. Oh, you know, the Red Sox signed him. Oh, the Yankees signed this guy. It was awesome for baseball. And now for the Red Sox to, to operate like a small to mid-market team is unbelievable to me. Do the fans – how sick are the fans of it? I know that at the beginning of the year, remember, they didn't show up and the ticket prices went way up and there was not a lot of people at the stands. And I think it was either John Henry or someone had to come out and, like, basically apologize to them and say it's going to get better. Well – when does this, you know, they use the full throttle, you know, Craig Breslow is going to go full throttle. When does the full throttle kick in? And are they still like on the, the slow gas pedal down instead of just jamming it down and burning some rubber here? Yeah, I, Adrian, I think the, the full throttle thing is a myth. So I think they wanted to sell people uh, a bill of goods there, make them think that they were going to go out and throw $350 million at Yamamoto. And by the way, I have not seen anywhere from anyone who covers the team uh, any sort of indication of what the Red Sox offered to Yamamoto. And I say that because I, to me, that's a bad, bad sign if you're a Red Sox fan. If, if the Red Sox had offered $350 million and said they, they would leak that, they would let you know, hey, we wanted the player. We offered him the most, but they didn't do that here, which tells me they weren't even close or he didn't want to come here or both. And I will look at either one of those things or all of them and say none of them are a good reflection on the franchise. If he didn't want to come here, why not? If they didn't want to spend the money, why not? And with regard to the, the things that you're talking about, people are frustrated. They're upset. So there, there are a couple of things that work against the Boston baseball fan right now, one of which is the ballpark. Because last season, the Red Sox attendance from the year before was basically flat. Now, I also think that that is a bad sign because much of baseball last year went up in attendance because of the rules changes and people were more optimistic about the direction of the game. Here it stayed flat from a year in which the attendance was a disappointment. So they're down about a half a million fans from where they were a couple of years ago, but they're still going to sell a lot of tickets because of the ballpark. So if you looked at any of the weekend series here a year ago, whether it was against the Dodgers, the Mets, the Braves, even the Rangers, who were here on 4th of July weekend, a lot of people traveled to Boston to see their team play and were willing to buy tickets, which are now more affordable, 
because they'd never been to Fenway Park. So the Red Sox are still selling tickets. They're just not selling them to New Englanders like they used to. Uh, and and to me, that's a you know that's a, a dangerous game to play. Not to mention that uh, television ratings for the Red Sox peaked back in 07. I, I'm not I, you know I don't know whether you guys get into the the nuances and the you know the nitty gritty of TV ratings, but at that time the Red Sox number, just to give you perspective, was a 12, which is astronomical. It's an astronomical local TV number for baseball. They averaged a 12 in 2007. This past season, they were under a three. So in 15 years, those ratings have dropped by 75%. And, uh, and what they're doing now is not, going to, uh, is not going to generate any kind of interest, I can tell you that. And Tony, we do get into those numbers. And I think that's a long-term baseball problem because on that side, it's not just the Red Sox. And there are many teams that have looked like they're in even more trouble uh, with some of the regional network deals that are going on right now. So I want to ask you, more about the pitching and the Giolito signing for them, because I know you commented on what that means, because it wasn't a long-term deal. And even if Giolito has this incredible season, it just gets way more expensive and he goes back to free agency and you don't get to keep him. So what do you think about that signing? Plus the fact that in addition to the full throttle statement, this team, I felt like made a promise that you were going to look on paper and say, oh, this is a significantly better pitching staff and starting staff that will be able to support their relief pitchers better because nobody gave them innings last year. I think they got a long way to go to prove that. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I, really, again, I can't tell you how disappointed I was to see it. He gave up 41 home runs last year, and I'm not telling you that Giolito is, is a complete stiff. So I'm just telling you that I think in the grand scheme of things, you're talking about a guy who's been relatively mediocre if you take the whole sample for the entirety of his career. The one thing you can say about Giolito is that if you look over the last, you know, five, six years, he's basically made his starts, which is good. I mean, you always want that. I criticize the Red Sox for not going after guys who are healthy because healthy pitchers cost money. But in the same breath, what advantage is there for them in this deal if he pitches well? The answer is none. They don't keep him. It's a one and done. And they've been playing this game now which gets back to you know one of AJ's points, but they've been playing this game now over the last few years where, well, let's go out and buy lottery tickets in the free agent market. Let's go out and try Garrett Richards or James Paxton or Corey Kluber. We'll sign them all to one-year deals for 10 million bucks with maybe an option or a dual option or a vesting option. And then the player has the choice. And that way, if the guy stinks, because he, or he gets hurt because he's coming off of injury, we don't have to pay him as much. And in the case of those first three guys, they basically all counted $10 million a year for three years against the luxury tax, and none of them were worth it. So now they go out and sign Giolito, and the price has gone up because it goes up all the time. So now they're into the $20 million range on what is effectively a one-year deal. It only becomes a multi-year deal if Giolito wants it to be a multi-year deal, which means that he will have come off a bad season. So, I, you know, they just want to sign these one-year deals to mitigate their losses. And I call me silly, you know, they, but I, I look at teams and I say, as a fan, what I want is my team to stop at nothing, you know, within reason, to win. That's what I want. I want winning to be the priority. I recognize there's a budget. I know they can't spend $350 million every year. But what I do know also is that the Red Sox can spend more, and they've they've chosen a safe, um, they've chosen the path of mediocrity versus trying to contend for championships. And I think every fan here should be frustrated with that. So what's the move? What's the move that's going <laughs> to get the chowder? That's going to get the chowder hot? That people are going to be like, I'm coming out the Fenway. The true people, the people from that have been around the park for a long time. So I don't know that there, you know, I don't know that there is one at the moment. Uh, to me, the guy was Yamamoto. That was the guy. And that's the guy, you know, to me, he made all the sense in the world for them as he did for everybody because he's 25. So how often are you going to get a chance at a 25-year-old, in theory, ace? And I'm not telling you it's perfect. They always come with questions. But every report on this guy is good. The age is good. Uh, he's a front-end guy. They need front-end pitching. 
And so if you're asking me, would I rather have Yamamoto at 25 to 30 per for a dozen years, or would I rather have Giolito for one year at 19 million? I'll take Yamamoto every time because I know the Red Sox can afford it. So, you know, they bought this franchise back in 2000, uh, 2001, at the end of 2001, 2002 was their first season. They paid $770 million for everything, including the uh, network, the broadcast network, and the ballpark. $770 million. It's now worth over $4.5 billion. They have made plenty of money that they will recoup whenever they elect to sell the team, and then some. So I just don't think you run uh, sports teams like you do uh, department stores and you know hardware store chains and that sort of thing. This is a competitive business. They're public trusts, and you get paid back in the end. Oftentimes, along the way, you run cost-neutral or profit-neutral or even at a loss. Uh, but you get into it because you want to win. Tony, okay, I have two questions. First, I'm going to start with the Mookie Betts thing. When, so when they did the Mookie Betts trade, they made Bloom trade him. Was that the beginning of the end of the Red Sox as we know it? Because that yes. was their guy. I know they signed Devers after that, but that was kind of the beginning of the old guard Red Sox. And then secondly, after you answer that, how do they fix this? And I know Yamamoto, but there's not huge free agents out there. They don't seem to be making trades for stars. How do the Red Sox get back to being the Red Sox? Next year's free agent class is pretty solid. So are they just waiting a year, kind of like the Dodgers did, hope everything gets lucky, maybe you get hot and sneak in somehow and make some trades? But what's the fix for this for the Red Sox? Good question. Yeah, I'll start with Betts. In retrospect, yes, Mookie Betts was the beginning of the end. No question about it. And uh, and now, look, I have my own personal doubts as to whether or not Betts really wanted to be here. So, you know, there were some discussions that took place along the way. And maybe Boston, for lots of reasons, wasn't a great fit for Mookie. Uh, you know, he's more understated, uh, you know, pretty even-keeled kind of guy. Uh, and so I think, you know, he may not have wanted to be here, which, which again, it, it happens. Okay. You know, they've lost guys in the past. You don't get to keep them all. But that doesn't mean you just like throw up your hands and say, we're never going to sign another big name superstar 20 kind of deal. And and look, at, with regard to Devers, you know, he's the aberration. There's no question. Uh, he's, you know, he's in his mid-20s when they signed him, left-handed hitter. So, and was willing to stay, obviously. So I think there was some uh, agreement there on both sides. And frankly, I think they were pressured on some level to do something big because people were pissed. So I, look, I, I can tell you this. I've lived here my whole life. I covered the team for about 15 years. I, you know, I missed your year, AJ. I was out before then and have now gone into a, you know, a different branch of the media. But, you know, I, I've been a, a Red Sox follower my entire life. I have never been as disheartened and had less confidence and faith in the franchise as I do right now. And uh, I, I, you know, to me, they, they've destroyed public trust. They've destroyed fan trust with the way they're running this thing. And how do they get out of it? You just have to hope that they get lucky in the draft. They hit on some of these guys. Now, they, they have some positional players in their system. Uh, and, you know, certainly the, the trade they just made with the Braves might free them up to trade someone like Nick York because it feels to me like there is a redundancy now there at second base. Uh, but, you know, their, their pitching is really thin. They don't have pitching in the system, not a lot of it, at least not at the upper levels. I suppose you never know what can come out of the lower levels. But uh, I just don't see them getting to world championship caliber you know, getting a world championship caliber roster unless they get some really good young pitching in here. Tony, everyone blames the ownership, clearly. Is Alex Cora to blame for any of this, though? We, we saw Verdugo take shots at him after he went out of town. He missed a year for the cheating scandal, and if you've read the Winning Fixes Everything book about him, he, he it does not shed a very good light on Alex Cora. I know Alex Cora. He's always been great to me, right? So is Alex Cora – and then there's rumors that Alex Cora wants to be the GM. Instead of the manager, and then there's things. You, if you dig deep into that, you kind of see things where he was kind of running the, trying to run the team, kind of behind the scenes, under you know. So, how much is, is Alex Cora to blame for any of where they're at right now? 
I mean, look, I, I think everybody's to blame, AJ. Like, I, I don't I don't think necessarily you, you are part of this whole thing and you walk away and say, well, it wasn't my fault. So I think Cora is an excellent manager. Let me get that part out right away. And to me, in baseball, more often than not, it's the players who win the games. The manager's job, in my opinion, primarily is to keep everybody pulling in the same direction and to make sure guys are serious about what they do. And, uh, you know, to, to manage the personalities. But the game is played on the field. Now, there are also decisions along the way that can affect the outcome of games. But if you have 108-win talent, it's hard to screw that up if you're a manager and everybody stays healthy and, and plays to their uh, ceilings. Now, there are little things along the way, I would say, that, uh, you know, that Cora has contributed to the dysfunction. And when I say that, I don't think he and Bloom philosophically were in alignment. I think that goes, uh, I think that manifested itself at the trade deadlines in each of the last three years where Red Sox players in the clubhouse was were uh, dissatisfied with what ownership and upper management did to fortify the team. Some of those years were better than others, but the Red Sox took the, you know, they even took the cheap way out in 2021 at the deadline. They picked up Kyle Schwarber that year and you'd say, well, that's a great move. Kyle Schwarber was injured at the time, missed two weeks, didn't play till the middle of August. And during that time, they lost control of the division. So they ended up getting in. They caught lightning in a bottle. But ultimately, they didn't have the horses to beat the Astros. And I would argue that in the subsequent off-seasons and trading deadlines, ownership and management came up short again. And I think Cora's role in the dysfunction is that the clubhouse became very disenchanted. The team lost focus right around the trade deadline all three years. They went into little losing streaks or maybe bigger losing streaks uh, during those periods of time. And I think part of the reason is because Cora was pissed too. Now, I will also tell you this. If I were Alex Cora, I think I'm a big market manager. I belong in a place that's serious about winning because I'm serious about winning. Cora's contract is up at the end of this year. He has not been extended yet. The Red Sox probably want to make it look like Breslow is going to make that decision. I have questions about whether or not Cora even really wants to stay here, and I don't blame him if he does have those thoughts. Tony, perfectly stated. Wanted to get you on for a while. Really appreciate it. Great to see you, too. I know you got your show coming up, so if anyone wants to hear more of this, 2 to 6 Eastern time on 98.5. Dude, you do four hours every day? Hell Yeah. <laughs> Bring it yeah. in. <laughs> I'm, sure there's, you know I'm sure there's not a lack of calling into your show, and you're like, listen, these mass holes, they all don't understand. Well, you know, the other thing is during baseball season, it's actually five hours because I do an extra hour at the end on my own on baseball. But And right now we're so knee-deep in Bill Belichick getting fired, you guys don't know the half of it. So Because we think that's coming down the pike next week. But – you know, it's uh, it's a good market to work in. I don't need to tell you guys that. It's you know, in terms of sports passion here, it's very high, and um, I'm flattered that you uh, you had me on. So, Scott, it's good to see you, and good to see all you guys. Yeah, great to see you too. Yeah, it's four hour therapy session every day right now up in Boston. So appreciate you, Tony Maserati, with us on FT Live, and you can follow him at Tony Maserati um, on Twitter as well. Um, he's got a lot of followers you want to check out. Just full clear transparency honesty bringing it every day it's guys like tony that you need up there um who holds dudes accountable and i have some of the questions that i saw in the chat are braves related so i figured i'd save those since we do have dave o'brien uh coming up pretty soon dave o'brien's no mark bowman well all i want you to do is just capture that thought save it and then regurgitate it in about i mean it's not like i won't say that to dave o'brien's face i mean he covers that's what i want you to do he knows that i tell him that every time (laughs) i see him mark bowman's also dave yeah mark bowman's also twice the size of dave (laughs) o'brien poor man's dave o'brien but dave o'brien drives his motorcycle into the park every day puts his he walks into the clubhouse he's got his helmet under his arm has to oh i gotta ask you a question let me put my motorcycle helmet down before I my leather jacket before I can ask you my question is that a flex <laughs> I mean apparently yeah, for him it is you might have his own walk-up music all right let's get back to some more signings though let's hit the hot corner while we have a few minutes before we get back to the Braves let's start with the catcher position Martin Maldonado to the Chicago White Sox 
to work on improving what was a really terrible defensive team. And there it is, one year, $4 million, and there's a vesting option for 2025 uh, for $4 million. So potentially a $2 million deal from all the, the Astros move on from him. They loved him. Their fans did. Their organization did. The bat really, really declined this past season. And they've got Yiner Diaz, who they feel really good about. And he is, I would say, at, at least at the moment, a bat first catcher, but should be able to handle the position. So Maldi moves on. And you got to go mm. with you first on this one, AJ. Do you feel did like – Did the fans love like Maldonado? This? The fans didn't love Maldonado. They were they – were, no, they wanted Diaz. Trust me. I did the – This past season – I'm saying overall over this past. Oh yeah, I mean, of decade, course he, you know, he, he, he was lot. great for him. But they, they wanted him out. Trust me, the fans wanted him out. The front office wanted him out. There was one guy that was in his corner the whole year. It was Dusty Baker, and Dusty Baker kept running him out there for his pitchers. Verlander wanted him. Framber Valdez wanted him. Christian Javier wanted him to catch him. But trust me, if it, if it was up to the front office, Martin Maldonado would have been the backup, and Yiner Diaz would have been catching every day. So, so that, that's not really. You know, but listen, for the White Sox, it's a great, it's a great move. They got nothing to lose. Uh, they're not going to be very good this year coming up because they just don't have the horses, and, and they're kind of in the middle of a. They won't call it a rebuild, but it is what it is. Um, with a new front office and everything, new, 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 new coaching staff, new kind of everything other than the manager. But my question is, who did the White Sox have before this? They had Max Stassi, okay, Corey Lee, who they're high on, but he was five for sixty-five last year. I mean, five, those are Eric Kratz kind of numbers with 20 punch outs right there. Ooh. So, I mean, listen, yeah, Maldonado's a great signing. And if he works out really well for him, guess what they can do for him in July? They can trade him to a contender. The thing that's most surprising about this to me is Maldonado, you would have thought, would have signed with a contender. But the White Sox can offer him two things. One, the chance to play every day, which is huge when you're a free agent. And if you want to keep playing, you got to get those at-bats and rack up the numbers. And two, a chance to just go and – Try to lead a young staff and prove your worth again. So it goes back to numbers and playing and then proving your worth. So I, I think it's a good sign. And also, Martin Maldonado is from where? Puerto Rico. Where's Pedro Grafol from? Puerto Rico. Not saying that had anything to do with it, but it might have had something to do with it. Miami. Pedro falls from Miami. He loves he loves Martin Maldonado, and he doesn't exactly know what's going on there. So Martin will take take the reins that. I think that team needs to to you know take their pitching staff, whatever it ends up looking like, to the next level. They have a lot more problems than catcher. I think Max Stassi will get the bulk of the time, but I think Martin Maldonado was not going to get a essentially a two year deal for eight million from anywhere else. Victor Caratini, I think, got two years, twelve million, and. Martin Maldonado has a lot more rings on his finger than than Victor Caratini does. So I think it's great for Maldonado, but I think it's – I don't know. He might be a chandelier in a haunted house going to the White Sox because yeah, he's going to look at what's going on there and be like, what? I got two years of this? But like you said, he could get traded. Again, rarely do you trade starting catchers at the trade deadline as much as teams will want starting catchers because everybody, including Astros fans, wanted him out because I know about hitting 191. Just like AJ said, fans want you out. They think they can find somebody else who plays once every five days. But if he goes somewhere else and is the backup, he can lead another team to the World Series. True. I agree. Listen, it's a win-win. For the White Sox, there's no money. And listen, Max Dassey and Corey Lee aren't going to set the world on fire offensively, but it's a way for the White Sox to say, hey, we signed a World Series winner. We have a relatively young pitching staff. So he's a guy that can lead the staff, try to teach him, try to teach some of these young catchers, whether it's Stassi, uh, uh, Kiro, the young kid they, they got for the in the, mm. in the other trade, the, the Giolito Lopez trade of the Angels, right? And maybe Corey Lee. So it, it's a win for the White Sox for me and the fact that it's just a, veteran leadership position that they needed. Yep. But, I mean, is he going to help them win games? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, it's kind of like a, eh, okay, we're doing this to help for the future, not for this year. Culture change. Of course. I think that's what's going on behind the scenes. They're like, we need to massively switch up who's on this roster. 
let's try and bring in some dudes that have come from winning organizations. Maldi definitely did that. So I think there's serious culture change work going on there. You know, it might not result in more talent, but the shit that was going on off the field, I think was leading to losses. Um, but we'll see what they do. They also probably are going to trade Dylan Cease. So that's going to knock some wins off their ledger. Let's get to Dave O'Brien. covers the Braves for the athletic friend of the show. All right, Dave. I don't know how much you caught over the last five minutes, but the floor I is caught yours. enough how you of doing? AJ's lies. What lies did I tell? What, what lie did I tell? I have never, ever walked into the clubhouse carrying my motorcycle helmet or my leather jacket. Ever. Like this, look. Like this with your leather coat on, like this, and you're like, hold on, you see that extra chair next to your locker? Can I put my helmet on it so I can ask you a question, please? Like you with a with a Florida Gators football helmet, like you played football. Hey, <laughs> hey, never. like you ride a motorcycle. Okay, well, why'd you say I do? I do, but why'd you say I do if I don't? <laughs> uh, but I, but I have never walked into the clubhouse for that reason. I don't want to look like a jackball carrying my motorcycle helmet into the clubhouse. <laughs> Ever. Damn straight. I go to the, I go to the press <laughs> Wait, box. if you've never done it, if you've never done it, then how do I know you ride a motorcycle and carry a helmet around? Because you've seen it in the press box. Oh. I have to put it somewhere. We don't have lockers, so I have it sitting at my where I'm working, at my, at my table. He is wearing oh, a Harley on. Davidson shirt. I mean, Harley Davidson hat. I do wear one right now. I'm wearing one, but I don't wear it to the ballpark generally. I don't think. All right. Well, hold up. Whatever. AJ, but Bowman is not twice my size. That's not close. It's maybe close. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, on the badass category. That's not fair to Bowman, though, man. (laughs) I love Bowman. That's true. That's true. Dave, are, are you prepared for the badass that just entered the Atlanta clubhouse in Chris Sale? who's not afraid to um, shit on a uniform if it's not up to his standards and who does bring cut it up. Right. Exactly. Yes. That is exactly what he did. I love having guys like that. I love having guys like that. I mean, believe it or not, I like having having AJ on the team, believe it or not. (laughs) Do they have Um, that Dave? So let's start with sale. Okay. And then we'll get to Grissom. Do they have that? And how much does it help to have a guy like that? Obviously, we'll get to also the fact that he needs to stay on the field. Hey, but your thoughts they here? They had Josh Donaldson, man, and he was True. a great fit. He brought – you know, I think they might be missing a little bit of that edge. Uh, I don't think that was a the reason they got beaten in the first round of the playoffs, but I think that uh, – and Dansby said this too when he was here. It's nice to have a lot of different type guys, not just the same type guys. To have a guy like Josh Donaldson who's kind of a – uh, provokes things and comes in and needles everybody from the time he walks through the door. And, and it's just highly, highly competitive. You know, when he goes through the tunnel, it's cussing and let's go and all that. And I, I think adding a guy like Chris sale to that, uh, to that uh, starting rotation can only help. I mean, you, you don't have one like him in that rotation. I mean, I guess Spencer Strider, you could say is, is uh, he's a power arm and all that, but he's a really intellectual guy. And, uh, uh, off the field, off the mound, Strider's not like that at all. So uh, I think having a veteran to kind of go with Charlie Morton, who's the most mild-mannered, nicest guy on earth, Charlie Morton, who's 40, Charlie adds a ton to this team. But I think Chris Sale will add, from everything I've, I've heard about him, from what AJ said and what Tyler Flowers has said, who caught him, uh, everybody says highly, highly competitive and that uh, great teammate. And that's all I need to hear. When when other teammates say he's a great teammate, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what we think or what fans think. It's what what players think. Listen, Chris Sales is far from a prick. Okay, let's let's. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's not even close to my level. So let's uh, let's <laughs> just get that out God. there. Let's Thank just let yeah. Let's just get that out there right now. Chris Sale is is one of the best dudes I ever played with. Okay, and, and his locker was next to me after Burley left in 2012, and he's one of my favorite guys I ever played with. And I think he'll bring a lot to the – what he'll bring is, listen, there's some veterans there, obviously, Freed and Morton. But he'll also bring a different attitude. And, like, Chris Sale doesn't put up with shit. And that doesn't yeah. mean you're a prick. What he'll do is he'll give his opinion and he'll say, hey, this is what I feel and this is what I think. And he'll stick by it, but he does it in the right way. And, yeah, he, yeah, I mean, he cut up some uniforms. He's broke some TVs. But, I mean, who hasn't done stuff like that in their past? So, listen, he's competitive as they come. 
and he'll fit in perfectly. Especially think about if he's their fourth starter, he's matching up with team's fourth guy on it on every fifth day, and he wants to pitch. And if he's healthy, I think this is one of the best moves Alex Anthopoulos could have ever made. I agree. I think he's a great ad, and it's a low risk move. Sure, as as Kenny mentioned, there's some risk involved in the next two years because you don't have guys signed long term. But they got a $20 million option on him. And if he's healthy, they pick that up just like they picked up Charlie Morton's $20 million option this year. And also, if you think about how they can go, they've added yet another totally different type of pitcher in that uh, if you look at the other four guys in that rotation, they could go Strider, power righty, then go Freed lefty, then Charlie for at third, and then bring in Sale at four and whoever they have at fifth. I mean, you could have just totally different looks each day for what that's worth. I know starters don't go seven, eight innings like they used to, but I still think there's some value to that when teams are prepping for a team and each starter they see is going to be totally different. And then they got their arms in the bullpen are all really kind of different guys too. They don't have a bunch of the same type guys in the pen either. They have all the left-handers. They have they got a lot the of them, man. They got a lot of them, and then they're going to have Perdomo in a year from now, too. They got him from the Pirates. I couldn't believe the Pirates let him go, but I don't think the Pirates are in a position to pay a guy to rehab for a year, and the Braves are willing to do that. Look at the big picture, because Perdomo could be a steal. I mean, they picked him up off waivers, re-signed him, and uh, they'll pay to rehab him this year, and he'll be ready a year from now. So um, that could be a big one. And they're going to have Penn Murphy, who's got a good arm. He's going to be back around a break. He's rehabbing from TJ. Um their pen is going to be potentially, I think, the deepest in the majors, which they're probably going to need because they're not going to have a lot of guys going seven, eight innings. So did you see any of these moves happening? And is Alex Anthopoulos winning the offseason, <laughs> even though I get it, he didn't sign Otani, he didn't sign Yamamoto. That's the big splashes. But he had a World Series contending team, the favorite, until all these, until all these big signings. And he's still making moves that makes people go, wow, that's a great move. Just like what AJ just said. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of uh, what makes him, what separates him from a lot of GMs and president baseball operations, whatever. Um, he has both those titles, like so many of them do these days, is that he doesn't care about the public perception. He's got rock solid uh, job stability. Obviously, they'll he'll be here as long as he wants to be here. And he makes moves with the with the big picture in mind, knowing that the payroll is going up each year and it's in the top five now. But it's never going to be where like the Yank, where the uh, Dodgers are this year, where the Mets were last year. So you still have to make moves with the payroll restrictions in mind. And also, he did all those uh, long term extensions that, while they're all great deals if those guys just stay healthy, they uh, they did bring up the AAVs higher than those guys are than a few of those guys are actually making right now their AAVs higher so it pushes your payroll up and this year they're over for the second year in a row over the over the threshold but right now they're knocking at the third tier of the threshold the 277 million which brings a lot more penalties on top of it but they can stay into that but my my uh my thing about Alex is that he just makes these moves with always a long-term plan in mind he's not a guy at the end of his career is just trying to win a world series at any cost this year yeah, he's trying to win a World Series, but he also knows they have to be ready for what's down the line, which is why they got all those young guys like Austin Riley and 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 Michael Harris and Acuna and all of them they signed so early, knowing that there's very little risk involved as long as they stay healthy and you're set up for the for the long term. All they have to do is fill left field. And if Kelnick, you know, plays the way he showed he could last year in the first 45 games. If he plays like that, they've got left field cover for the next several years. If not, they'll go out and fill that in the future. But uh, pitching is really the only area where they have to, you know, uh, starting pitching in the future where, he, where, where Alex has to uh, kind of uh, spackle over and, and make, some, make some good additions because he's put together a, a team that should be great for five years at least, at least. So we're not talking about a team that's like hoping to make the playoffs. We're talking about – are they adding pieces that will win them the World Series? Yeah. Get past the Phillies. Why you said they can't spend like these teams? Why not? I've seen the battery. We had Sal Fasano on here talking oh, they about can if they if they want to. I mean, yeah, if so, they want so to. So you said you said they can't. Why can't they? Because they have self-imposed budget restrictions. 
And by, by by who? The ownership? By ownership, by Terry McGurk, who's kind of the liaison, who is the uh, uh, de facto owner because he makes those kind of mo- decisions. Ownership's out of Denver, Colorado, Liberty Media. They've got so many things on their plate. They're not worried about the Braves. They trust that, that Terry McGurk is going to make the call that they can both win and make a big profit. And they try to do both, and they've done both very well for the last few years. They got eliminated in the first round, but I don't think that that was because of the budget, to be honest. I mean, when they won the World Series, it wasn't because of the budget. They got beaten in the first round because they had four extra base hits in four games after leading the majors at, with a tied the major league record in home runs and leading the majors in every offensive category. And for the second year, having a couple of starting pitchers who weren't at their best when uh, playoffs rolled around because of illness or injury. So I think a lot of that's just luck. I don't think that you can throw money and fix things like that. I don't think that if they spent another $20 million, that would take care of that. And I think Alex working with what he has, which is, I mean, again, they're not mid-payroll now. They're at $276 million with the luxury tax payroll right now. So they have plenty of money. It's just they have it tied up long-term with all these guys. The reason they don't have to fill three spots in their uh, in their lineup, they're all filled except left field. And now they think that's filled. But um, um, yeah, they could spend three hundred fifty million if they want, and still probably make a nice profit. But Liberty Media is where it is because they run these businesses to make a lot of money, and the Braves are making a lot of money. So as long as they have their their own restrictions on payroll, it is what it is. All right. So we're talking to a media person in Atlanta. Maybe you guys aren't tough enough on them because if you <laughs> if you Unlucky. Well, lost I'm gonna put to, your feet to the fire, right? I'm I'm feeding you to the fire because, like, let's let's do apples to apples. Like, if the Yankees lose in the first round after hitting tons of home runs, after being the best hitting team tw- twice in a row, they're getting absolutely roasted. So, is there just a different expectation in Atlanta? Like, oh, hey, you know what? We're lucky. Gee, golly, gosh darn! Because yeah. Liberty Media is taking that money and putting it in their pocket, because what happens if it happens three years in a row? Now is there a fire that we don't know? We smell smoke, but we can't find the fire? You know, what you're saying would might be an issue if they didn't literally lead the majors with 104 wins last year and went 101 the year before. You're saying that if they had a payroll $20 million higher, it would have somehow been different in the division series against the Pirates? Where would the money have come into play? Yeah, they could have added a starter at the trade deadline last year. They could have, and they probably should have, but they didn't. And their payroll is what it is. I mean, they've got teams like the Boston Red Sox who are printing money at Fenway Park. The Chicago Cubs are printing money at Wrigley Field. The Braves have a payroll higher than the Boston Red Sox, which never was the case for a long time. Going back, you know, you'd have to go back into the early 80s when the Braves used to be top three in the payroll every year. But for a long time, they were down in the bottom half. Whereas the Red Sox, everybody knows, look what they charge per ticket. So I think they have a gripe and those fans should be upset. But the Braves are winning 101 and 104 games last year. If they go to 90 wins next year and it's because they don't have enough starting pitching or you know, I'm not even going to say if they don't have enough hitting because they've got enough hitting. You can't <laughs> complain about their hitting. I mean, they can't be any better than they were during the season. So I, I don't think that the payrolls become an issue yet. If it wasn't going up each year when they've been making all this money hand over fist since the uh, battery opened and especially since they won the World Series, if they weren't raising payroll every year, there would be a legitimate reason to gripe. But they are raising payroll, so it's kind of hard to, to – to argue with what they're doing. The only teams with higher payrolls are in the biggest markets in the country. All right, Dave. I have two questions, a non-serious one and then a serious one. Did I First one, did I see you just grab a cat and put it on your lap? I did, man. That was dusty. You know, you know what people, you know, people have told me never trust a man with cats. So, I mean, that just I proves you're lying about your motorcycle. Home. I don't care what people say, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. I'm too right, old to about that stuff. All right, good. That's good. That's a good answer. Now, here's my serious question. With the, with the addition of Chris Sale, and then you have Morton, and then you have Freed, and then you have Strider, obviously, he does your one. What does this do for Ronaldo Lopez? They just signed him, and he was supposed to be stretched out to be a starter, 
So does yeah. this eliminate him being a starter, and does this put him into more of a, a swing role? Does this put him into a later inning role? Because that was kind of the thing. They signed him and said, oh, we're going to give him a chance to be a starter. But if you already have four and you know you throw an elder and you throw in some other young guys, they have more than five starters already. It's a great question, and I think it's to be determined. They, uh, If you take what Alex said at face value, he said when they signed him, they would get him. To, they were going to get him stretched out to start this winter and at spring training, then make the call on where he could best uh, be used. Right now, you could argue that he would bet best be used as the fifth starter in a loaded rotation because they have added so much to the bullpen. But you could also say he's been more effective in the bullpen. Maybe that changes. Maybe he's made adjustments and what he, he's throwing harder than ever, and maybe he can temper that a little bit as a starter and still be throwing ninety-seven. I mean, this guy's nasty, as you know. Uh, he wants to <coughs> do it, which he, whichever role he said. He said the day this, that uh, Brace signed him, he told us that uh, whichever role, they didn't give him any guarantees, whichever role they want to use him at, he's good with. And he seemed to be sincere about it. I don't know if he has a preference. Most guys want to start if they can until they've, until they've proven they can't do it. And I think uh, – He's made enough improvements in his in his game the last couple of years that he deserves another chance to start if that's what he wants to do. Uh, and the Braves, at least to begin the year, could probably really use him in that role. Um, over the course of the year, they're going to use they, – they've done this the past three, four years. They've used double-digit starters. I mean, they have a, a staff that just does not stay healthy for 32 starts apiece. One guy's 40 years old and Charlie – Freed's just had a lot of little stuff. I mean, whether it's a hamstring, the blisters, uh, you know, side issues, he's had a lot of little stuff. So um, they, they uh, I think there's a real good chance that this guy's going to make, that's going to spend some time in the rotation this year. And you have to do that early, I think, before while he is stretched out, because if you go six weeks into the season, it's not going to be stretched out if he's in the bullpen that whole time. And then you have to work him back up to that and go start him three innings, four innings. But that's what they did with Strider two years ago. If you remember, he started out in the bullpen. He was stretched out in spring, started in the pen his first time first time in the majors, and then they moved him to the rotation uh, when they took off the year uh, that they were under 500, 10 games behind the Mets. They moved Strider to the rotation and called up Harris, and then they took off right after that. But that was, you know – at the end of uh, May. So we'll see. That was a long-winded answer. I think he's going to get a chance to start. But whichever role he's used at, that guy's going to be a big impact for him. Man, we saw him with two teams last year against the Braves, and he was nasty. With the White Sox, he was as nasty as any reliever I saw in his appearances against the Braves. Seriously. So, Dave, let's finish with this then. Let's get a quickie here to finish up while we're on the rotation. Max Fried is the consensus top asked about player in our very lively chat right now. Chances of him signing extension. Do the Braves look to do something like that? I'll tell you my quick opinion. No. I think he's gotten this far along. You're seeing some starting yeah. pitching contracts. If he has a freaking gangbusters year and we can get the cat's opinion too, why not go to free agency <laughs> and try and rack up 200 plus mil? Yeah. It's just so hard to get a guy as the Braves saw with free or with uh, uh, Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson, it's so hard to wait this long, you know, and they made a, an effort, whether it's a cursory effort, if they made a legitimate effort, I'm not quite sure, but it's hard to wait this long and expect the guy to sign because now he's taken on all that risk the last couple of years. What are you offering him really? I mean, his only gamble now is that he can get to have a decent year this year, because if he waits, he's going to get a hell of a lot more money at the end of a year, of a, a typical Max Freed year than he's going to get by signing with the Braves now. And he's taking on the risk. You know, he could have had he could have blown his elbow out the last year or his shoulder. And he took on the risk that time because the Braves didn't sign him long term. So I'm not going to blame the guy at all if he decides now to go, whether it's back to the West Coast or anywhere else. I know the Braves like to keep him. I know the fans love him. We all love having him here. But um, he's also going to be 30 years old as a free agent because he kind of was a late arrival and had his career delayed almost two years by this first Tommy John. Well, he's only had one Tommy John, but by Tommy John surgery. So it really puts him in a bad spot, and I don't blame him. This is going to be his one probably really big payday 
He hasn't had a huge payday yet. He's gone year to year. So I, I would say less than 50-50, and I say that, and Alex could do it this afternoon, just the way Alex operates. He's so covert, man. But I would <laughs> say at this point, we've really come a long way to be expecting to sign him long-term. Yeah, agreed. Agreed with all of that. I mean, I, I think he should. I think he's going to have a big year, and I think he's going to go to free agency and cash the hell out. So at D-O-B-R-I-E-N-A-T-L, you can read all his work in The Athletic. Always great to have you on, Dave. Appreciate you, man. AJ, I won't spread any lies. The AJ is just coming in hot. He, in he wasn't even the hardest on me today. Kratz, man. Kratz was. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Call us soft in the Atlanta market, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All that BS. When's the last time the Yankees won a World Series? I'm a Phillies fan. <laughs> uh, Yankees won one. Hey, the Yankees won one after the Phillies have. True. Oh, yeah, 2009. You're right. True. Hey, by it's the true. way, OB. Like the Yankees even went to the World Series. Yeah. You know? So all that yeah, holding their feet to the fire ain't working. <laughs> hey, Dave. Dave, what these people don't understand is, you know, someone that went through the very lean years in Atlanta, 15 and 16, the Braves oh, are the man. only team to win a title in Atlanta. Right, so that yeah. '95 team when I was there in '15 and '16, they were like yeah. gods, and then they won, did it again in uh, what '21. So the Braves are the only major sports team to win a title in Atlanta. So that means yeah. something, and I'm happy for what you said when they're when you said, "Hey, they're spending." Because guess what? If you go to a game there, there's no yeah. better atmosphere than the battery. I mean, 10 o'clock in the morning, there's people yeah. out there in the battery for a seven o'clock game. It's um, it's the it's it's what every team strives to be, and I'm happy that the Braves are putting the money behind what they built. Yeah, it's a cash cow. They're making money and winning. So, can't really complain Dave, about that, man. Hey, they're doing it right. So, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's a lot of time left in the offseason. Alex is taking advantage of some teams that have to cut payroll. So, maybe there's more to it. But it's good and, to and see you, man. We'll, we'll starter, bring you back for the next one. That's the thing about having money is if he needs to add a starter, they're got, they've got enough offense and enough pitching that they're not going to fall out of contention, period. And if he needs to add a big-time starter at the trade deadline, he can do that. He has the money, and McGurk will okay that. So they're in a lot bit different position than a lot of teams. They're in a good spot. And he will Braves, do that. After, yeah, they will do that. Exactly. He, made, yes. he made big yeah. moves. Yeah, yeah Braves fans, I know. I mean, they still got two months to complain. Um, before the actual season starts, but they're fine. They're living good compared to many teams that were having therapy sessions for on a daily basis. So, Dave, good to see you, man. We'll yeah, catch you for that. the next move, all right? All right. Thank you, man. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. Cheers.